Welcome to Nature Backed, a show where we speak with investors and entrepreneurs about the green economy. My name is Tarmo Verki, and today my guest is Frank Meehan from OpenESG. Thank you, Frank, for joining us at uh, Nature Backed. Oh, thank you, Tarmo. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you again. Yeah. Tell us, really in a, tell us in a few words. I mean, you're now involved with OpenESG. You've been in the ESG world for quite a while. What's your take on the ESG these days? Um, so, well, taking a step back on that, I mean, I have been. I started in you know, 2017. I, I, um, I co-founded a, a firm, uh, an investment firm out of Australia called Spike Labs Cultivate, which invests in uh, climate, food and agricultural tech solutions. And you know, quite early on when it was still in a, a quite a nascent phase, obviously now it's super hot, but we've really been focused on this for quite some time now, seven years investing into the space. Um, and that now has evolved to uh, a firm called Cultivate Funds Management, which is out of Australia, uh, which is in a now $100 million uh, fund investing into climate, food and agriculture with about 40 investments. Um, and then also giving a bit of context to the listener, I started a firm called Equilibrium.ai um, in 2019, which was acquired by a US company called Fiscal Note in 2021, and we manage uh, global uh, for global corporates ESG data, right? So we like all carbon management plus everything to do with ESG, biodiversity, uh, water management, everything from a social governance, and s- helping them suck in all of that data into a corporate level, and then helping them with the reporting. And now I've just uh, joined the Open ESG team, which is completely transforming the ESG ratings and showcasing systems so how to showcase how sustainable you are from a product and a company level um and uh, and that's changing it to making it completely free fast open and dynamic to get a score to get rating to show how how sustainable you are um and then you can um get verified and improvements on on the professional plans so really understand this space and very always very tremendously excited by it ESG is only going to increase. Now, what's super interesting, of course, is ESG is, is the lightning rod now for, for some elements in the US election. Um, but that doesn't change the the game to me. Uh, for what I see in the market, everything is very, very still extremely focused from an environmental perspective. I'm going to give you a great example. We I was um, working with a, a leading, uh, one of the leading um, packaging manufacturers in um, in the world. And they are so focused. Now, the, the founder is, you'd say, is, is fairly close to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, probably not, you know, just you'd, you'd think that they are, you know, because the founder not at all focused on ESG. In fact, that company is probably one of the most advanced in, um, sustainable packaging on the planet because they know that they have to sell their packaging here and to Walmart and et cetera. And the demands from those companies are in a sort of Republican CEO led company. Um, it's, it's like that, but it's not. It's extremely focused on becoming sustainable. And, uh, and you'll see as well, like, you know, the recent, um, in, in the recent, the recent case in the US of, I don't know if you saw this, but a bunch of kids who happened to be 13, 14-year-old uh, working in an, in a chemical company in, I think it was Kentucky, 
that company is a large corporate whose ultimate investor is um, Blackstone. Uh, and Blackstone is like horrified now to find out that one of its investments happens to be using 13-year-old child labor in Kentucky in a chemical plant, right? You have to find this stuff out. And the only way out is to start to have total transparency and openness. Um, and then, you know, with all the issues around governance with FTX, et cetera, it's crazy. FTX got rated by Morningstar, one of the top ESG agencies, with a better governance score than Chevron. I mean, just because people just accepted what it was, right? You know, and of course, it didn't have any governance at all. So I think, um, you know, I, I believe that the ESG space, um, you know, it needs to get a reset, which is what Open ESG is trying to do to make it open and transparent. It's been a total closed cartel. I mean, I can really understand some of the criticisms of it, but I do think that, um, you know, with the changes coming, when you start to apply transparency and openness, it's going to 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 take off. Mm, the by the cartel you mean it's a little bit like the drinks industry probably where i've been involved where basically you run the international competitions for drinks and then out of thousand participants 800 wins win medals and then those 800 put those <laughs> medals as a stickers on their on their bottle and you know basically buy those medals for 500 or 1500 dollars each Tomo, that's a great example of exactly how it works right now. It really is. It's like you pay to play. You go to uh, companies like EcoVadis, which dominates this space. Um, and for any, so I let's say I'm Microsoft, right? I, I want to go out and I need to try and find out all my suppliers or Apple. I need to rate them. I need to understand them. I need to understand supply chain. I need to understand suppliers. Right now, I send out these forms, these EcoVadis forms, or, or similar systems, then that supplier has to pay. They have to pay just to get started. So then they fill out this form and then they might get this gold, silver, bronze certificate, which is kind of arbitrary, but you're effectively paying for it. And the more you pay, the kind of more it seems to get better. Um, but you, if you then want to showcase that certificate, you've then got to pay more. And then if you want to, if you've improved anything, if you've got like you know, better biodiversity, better water usage, you've got to go through the whole process again to be completely manual. Um, and as you say, it's it's still like this old school certificate stick on a bottle type approach. Uh, you know, that has to change. And I think that, you know, companies like OpenESG, uh, where you've got this, you know, it's totally transparent, you know, the system is controlled by DAO, right? You know, the council, which is the, of experts around the world, is under a DAO structure. It's not influenced by the company. Um, and then how that is uh, put together is then, you know, spread out by the open ESG system. And it's really applying the open AI principles to ESG, I think, is what's really required. But this is the same in climate as well. You know, we've had this issue with greenwashing and, um, you know, carbon credits, et cetera. You know, transparency is desperately needed in the industry in general. Exactly. The The challenge is that people do speak more about the ESG, but uh, we're basically talking about, uh, you know, peanuts in a way. If we're talking about the color of the next certificate you are going to get from the certification <laughs> body, while at the same time, right. the climate change is accelerating around us and and something more drastic would need to be done for actually to change something. Um, yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, 
exactly things are things are like not um moving fast enough no question and one of the reasons they're not moving fast enough is we have not enough data we don't know how companies are performing we don't know really what the stage they're in and also companies are frightened with the current systems because the current systems are very punishing mm. and they're arbitrary punishing as well like um with these esg rating systems instead you know what open esg is doing is is looking at how to change that and making it much more open and transparent but also rewarding you for positive progress right for doing things positively and i think we've had the same that's the same thing that we do from a from a climate and an agricultural best investment viewpoint we're looking at companies that are doing that are really making positive steps forward um but you're absolutely right without the data we we can't accelerate things fast enough because um you know one of the one of the things is you can see corporates are trying to make a change they they're putting huge amounts of money into for instance agricultural to make it more regenerative farming but without knowing the impact of the of that distribution of money and how practices are changing it's very difficult to know where to go with that so you know the open esg guys they just signed with uh, a company called tingo in africa which has uh, which is an agri fintech which provides equipment and financing to 30 million farmers uh, and so they're going to be providing the system to 30 million farmers across africa and that helps abm bev etc who are putting money into regenerative farming in africa to understand what's the impact and how to improve things faster and faster it, it definitely is the case like we have to accelerate faster mm. but going forward how do you how do you kind of hope to get people to adapt the open esg principles there is you know to some extent the market is probably established so to say uh, but you need to crack it to kind of use brains also in the process Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer and emotional intelligence coach and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. Yeah, I think it's like the taxi business before Uber to be perfectly honest. You know, it really is. It is a absolute cartel and uh, you know, the thing about uber what uber uh, you know t gambold who's the co-founder of uh, and ceo of uh, of openesg says it very well you know what what uber did was it brought transparency to your ride like it told you who your driver was and how you were going to get to your destination and how much it was going to cost three things which were not transparent at all with the taxi industry uh, and that's really why everything changed and it's very similar in the ESG space um you know it's not it's a closed shop it's not transparent about how things happen it's incredibly manual if you want to change or improve yourself it takes ages to showcase it um and it's basically based on stuff 15 20 years ago uh so i think the way things have changed it's it's totally right for disruption and change how would you adopt it well it's pretty simple you've just got so many 
different corporates that are looking to uh, change things and looking to rate their suppliers. So imagine that you've got 5,000, 6,000 suppliers, like a big agricultural company would have had that many. And uh, you have to go and ask them to pay $1,500 to $2,000 just to get rated. I mean, it just doesn't happen, right? It's just so hard to make it happen. Now and you say, hey, look, here's this new open ESG system, which is uh, there. You can also customize extra questions, and it's it's free, um, and it's dynamic. So if you've changed anything, it's immediately reflected. And if you well, and if you lie about what you're doing, that's also visible because everything you say is going to be visible on a web page. Um, and then we can go and verify you later when we need to do the auditing process. Uh, and so we've had corporates jump at, so particularly in this current environment, when corporate spending has to be reined in, everyone's looking be sensible with cash. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, the time is now. It really is for change. Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the economic climate can clearly help it. The other part which can clearly help it is probably media. If the if the data is free and you know rating kind of reviewing the ratings or reviewing the greenwashing, I, I'm, there's surely a bunch of yeah. journalists out there who would be more than happy to actually find their next scoop out of that public data. Oh, that's right, absolutely, and, and I think it's uh, you know again, parent, and uh, it's also about rewarding company. Is positivity isn't embraced enough? Exactly. Uh, going going forward, I mean, ESG has been in the headlines a lot in the, especially in the US, I think, but also elsewhere, and not always for the good reasons, or at least not without kind of the positive, positive notes in the news headlines. What's your take on it? You know, is it actually positive for the sector? The the bashing ESG sometimes gets because people are actually recognizing and noticing it, or, or could it actually damage the industry for the good? Um, I think. It's a it's a very good question. Some of the criticisms of current ESG systems are very valid, right? As I said beforehand, it's it's closed. It's it's not uh, it's it's onerous. Like the the forms that come out of MSCI and other are just ridiculously huge and long. Um, it's very manual, like you know, um, pay approach that you know eco have advocated up to now um, is is difficult. So I think there's some very, very valid criticisms. Um, is it at the end of the day, the whole thing was set up one to help companies become more environmentally and eco-conscious and showcase that. How to improve your like from a social perspective and improve you know diversity in the workforce, but also ensure that you know things like child labor and everything are removed out of your supply chain and better governance. And boy, do we need better governance after. You know, the recent scandals across here and particularly, I mean, looking at Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and, you know, FTX and everything, which is just years of governance. Uh, I think that, um, you know, it's it's needed. I don't think anyone complains about that. And your biggest investors, the Black Rocks and Fidelities and Blackstones, are all driving heavily on ESG because they know ultimately they have to do it. It's really those guys that, that make things. Um what I think is that things do need to to change, um, and I think the open ESG 
just uh, applying the principles of AI and Web3 to ESG world um, is exactly what's required. You know, open and transparency is needed. Make it free. Um, dynamic is important. Change. It's it's really about where it is right now and how it needs to, to, to go forward. But it's so, it's exact industry before, to be honest. Maybe I'm a little bit repeating myself, but if you would kind of look forward next uh, 12 months, the late 23, mm-hmm. Uh, early 24 for what are the biggest challenges for the open ESG? well i think you know the challenge is going to i'm, I'm hoping the challenge is keeping up right mm-hmm. but the good is moving from this you know you fill out this form you send it off to ecobartis and they have these manual teams that check out everything before you ever get a score or certificate this way is all digital it's all open it's 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 basically it's heavily you know it's going to be heavily ai driven um in terms of helping to store data um and it's uh and it's instant and you get the approach because you you just get it instantly so it's moved digital approach um i believe that um to be honest and keeping up with demand from what we've seen so far from the initial work before it goes live and the beta programs it's it's probably keeping up with demand is going to be the issue it's going to be tremendously exciting to to stay on top of things from that perspective and bring ai into the picture in a way which uh the team are working on mm-hmm. uh so i think it's one keeping up with demand or two staying on top of Keeping keeping fresh and new mm. as you keep going, mm. yeah, and proving to everyone that you are open and transparent, um, which is the expert council and DAO system. Exactly, the, the DAO, using the DAO system is sounds really really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that that game changing. I think you have to use instead of the company like MSCI making up what the scores and systems are by devolving it to a, an expert council, which is now like fifty people from around the world, you know, working on the system and developing it under a DAO structure and then voting on that using, um, uh, I think it's using Discord. So it's, uh, it, it works, it works very well. And, and that again, gives transparency to the whole thing. Mm, absolutely. Also, DAO has uh, had some of setbacks, uh, I think, related to all, all the crisis uh, in the crypto mm-hmm. space over the last 12 months. But there are some really cool uses of DAO structure, like the one you guys are building on. Yeah, I think DAO, look, I'm an investor in Masari, uh, you know, in OpenSea, in Genies, you know, we're, we're quite heavily into the Web3 blockchain space, but never really got in the, you know, the crypto exchange space, which I always felt was... Um, you know, I just was like, what the hell's going on? And FTX pretty much showed, uh, and all the others, three hours, that there was a lot of, uh, you know, stuff going on there, to be perfectly honest. And um, Dow running your entire company, it's a, it is a difficult challenge. But the way that we've got it in terms of an expert council Dow looking at a, a, a system that is going to then be implemented by a company uh, works well. Mm. Yeah, one of the really interesting uh, kind of related developments we've seen is that how uh, how because of FTX and all the other, from one side, the FTX and all the other crypto exchanges, of course, crashed the crypto market last year. But from the other side, the, the kind of the, maybe the second level of those impacts on, on the actual banks 
has crashed the banks and uh, the Bitcoin is probably around uh-huh. 30K again or more these days. Uh, you know, uh-huh. talking about the crypto crisis when the Bitcoin is at 30,000 is a little bit silly or sounds at least a little bit silly. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And But I, I just think, I, I do think, you know, putting crypto to one side, I mm. think that just blockchain and Web3 is tremendously exciting. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other big things that I find very exciting, you know, being in to climate and agriculture and food, you know, I do a lot. We've just done a, um, a blue uh, sequestration project in Australia. We're looking at others around the world in soil and bio, um, biotech uh, in terms of carbon capture and soil. It's so tremendously exciting. What I think is going to be interesting is the tokenization of real-world assets, and and I think that's very exciting. That is another space that I predict is going to be one of the biggest biggest sectors uh, within the space because you can, you know, we're looking at like how to finance climate projects, you know, physical projects. Uh, I think tokenization of that is really interesting. I mean, last year, before the three-hour crash, it was honestly tokens was just about lending each other digital money, and it was just, I mean, it was just an arbitrage game. Mm. That hopefully has blown up. Now, like going back to the principles of what blockchain and, and Web3 is all about is good, right? That that whole arbitrage game is gone, thankfully, and hopefully, you know, for a while anyway. And now what a lot of people are looking at is how to tokenize uh, real-world assets and particularly climate projects. Uh, that, I think, is, is very exciting. Exactly. And, uh, you know, in climate projects also, also all the projects related to uh, reforestation or afforestation and then the the kind of the creating the natural uh, carbon sinks and so on there's a lot of interesting yep. stuff going on in that sector oh tremendously tremendously exciting i mean you know the blue carbon stuff that we're working on um you know sequestration projects uh you know soil one of the things we're also we're a big investor into is a company through cultivators company called future feed in australia which is a seaweed supplements for cattle. You put, you know, seaweed supplements uh, that have gone through a particular process um, developed by the CSIRO in Australia. And that, if you put that into the cattle feed, it reduces their meat by 60, 70%. Now, there's a number of those solutions around the world. This one just won um, a prize from from Bloomberg and uh, is doing really, really well. I think that these type of projects uh, are tremendously interesting. You know, producing the seaweed for that project and the production of that is the next stage that we're looking at. Um, uh, you know, as I said, uh, you know, bones, robotics, anything that is really, really doing stuff on the ground. Like what I am, I'm very having very frustrated by a lot of corporates just buying carbon credits and not actually doing anything to reduce their carbon. Uh, and I think that is changing. And, and I'm very proud of the Australian government that has recognised that and has now literally putting into law that you cannot buy terrible carbon credits anymore. There's a very strict rule if you're going to buy carbon credits and uh, you have very high incentives to actually make change in your organisation to decarbonise and oh. actually decarbonise. Uh, and I think, you know, good, good on the Aussie government for, for changing that, but that's because what happened last year is the Australian government was the original Australian government, which is totally anti-climate, anti-everything, was trying to stop everything, 
um, was thrown out by the Australian people uh, and it was a climate-driven election and the new government was elected on a climate um, stance and that has made a difference and I believe that's going to happen in other countries. It's not just going to be in Australia. I mean, we feel it more than anything. But in some ways, Lula in Brazil, it was a similar a similar thing. The climate in the Amazon was quite a dominant factor in that election and I believe that's going to continue to increase uh, so I don't think the whole thing's going back in the bag, Tabo. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, and it's going to get better. It just needs better systems and better governance like OpenESG to make it happen. Absolutely. That's really, really, really good stuff on the, on the carbon credit side also. I think the, uh, I think for me personally, the biggest challenge has been the, the understanding that the most companies use carbon credits as their and the Catholic Church was selling indulgences in the medieval times that, you know, you, you've sinned, now, <laughs> now you pay and you get a paper to say that, you know, your sins have been forgiven. I mean, that's basically the carbon offset market of today, right? Oh, my God, yeah. As a Catholic, he went to Catholic school all of my life, Jesuit school, having spent a lot of time um, in confession over the years, um, uh, you know, some, you know, probably quite rightly, you know, in there. It was great. It was fantastic to go, you know, when you're a kid to to go into confession and walk away with a few Hail Marys and be cleansed of your sins. And um, it's exactly the approach, 100% right. Uh, thankfully, though, you know, you've got, um, you've got a better, you've got a better understanding of that now. You know, I got, I remember I was with, I, I don't think that person is there anymore, but at a major shipping company a few years ago, at this big plantation down in, I don't know, uh, it was Panama or something. And um, and that's what they were doing to help the environment. And every year he'd take, he'd said he'd go down there three times a year to check out the, you know, check out the plantation and make sure it's going well. And he's very proud about it. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, dude, like you haven't done anything in the ship industry, have you? Like nothing. And you've got this huge plant forest that you're using to offset the the issues that you have with the ships plus you're probably flying down there first class with half your team to check out panama three times a year like wow dude like you're right well ahead of the game here aren't you um um i think as companies starting to recognize that that approach is um is just not going to work anymore Mm -hmm. and that kind of honestly like some of the um you know people were cruising you know they were just like oh i don't really have to do anything this year and that's fine. You know, that that is going out the window, I, I firmly believe, um, in, a, in a lot of stages. Um, but also, you know, look, there's a fantastic positive energy that I, I'm very positive about things, you know, to be honest. I know people are kind of negative about it, but, you know, being in the industry and seeing all the change and things that are happening, great technology that's coming through, I'm very positive about it. Look at Texas. Texas is one of the most re- largest renewable energy states on the planet. Yet it's the hardcore Republican, yet it's very, very heavily into um, renewable energy. Ultimately, it's all going in the right direction, I believe. Uh, it's Some countries are going to take longer to get there than others. Um, but I think, uh, you know, look at, look at the US. The US, is the Biden administration's push to subsidise heavily free technology manufacture and development in the US has changed the game. I was talking to a company that was being previously thinking about doing that in Europe, um, and they're like, no, we're going to go completely set up in the US because the subsidies we get 
to start the uh, business in the US is tremendous. Now, hopefully we don't end up with the same issues that Obama had with Solyndra and solar and all type of stuff. We may do, but it's changing the game. Manufacturing is coming back to the US and it's coming back around new battery technologies and EV te- technologies. I think that's fantastic. So I do think that changes are happening in the right way. Um, and you know, a lot of people you know, say negative things, maybe probably largely from a clickbait perspective. Um, you know, if you'd read the Daily Mail every day, you think the world is ending. Uh, but I generally think that it's not and that things are pretty positive. Thanks, Frank. That's a really good message to wrap up this uh, podcast episode. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.